Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello, here we go. Welcome to episode 137 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossy. The transfer window has closed and unfortunately we've not managed to do any business ourselves. So consequently, you're stuck with me and David Cameron Walker. Hello. Although I believe you slept through the whole thing, didn't you? I did. It was <laughs> glor- absolutely glorious. You missed and all sorts on Sky Sports. Well, news, do you, you know, know what I did? Uh, Dildos, blow up well, dolls. Well, that's the thing. I woke up the next morning getting ready to go to work after falling asleep at six o'clock the, the, following, the, the previous evening, sleeping through the whole thing. And the first thing I see on my phone was a message from my housemate saying, mate, have you seen this dildo <laughs> on deadline day? And I was like, what? I mean... What on earth has gone on there? But, I have no I idea. Mean, yeah, there was I mean, vanishing spray as well. It serves right, doesn't it? I mean, it's the, the monster has come back to Well, it's all over arse. till January, and um, that's not the only thing. You that's didn't been... put any bids in, though, did you? What? For new co-hosts or anything while I was last minute? No, no. we couldn't quite get anything over the line, no. unfortunately. We could have applied for one of these extensions, though, mm. that clubs Well, the loan window. Yes. That's the thing, really. For you know, the you know Everyone says the transfer window slams shut. It doesn't slam shut. I mean, if you do, it, it comes back up again. There's a draft. You've got a doorstep. There's a distinct draft, because you know, the loan window is going to be open again soon, isn't it? Football league clubs all pile Absolutely. in. Absolutely. <laughs> that's not the only thing that's been going on since our last show at Luton a couple of weeks ago. Coventry are finally back at the Rico. Yeah. Congratulations to Sooner them. Sooner than I thought as well. That's exactly. Good news for them. Uh, well done to everyone involved in that campaign I think they played Gillingham on Friday night uh, MK Dons humped Manchester United in the League Cup Graham Kavanagh sacked Joe Dunn sacked Beppe Soninho resigned mm. new manager Oscar Garcia yeah happy with that yeah I am good because I think it, it, briefly he did a decent job a very good job really with Brighton last season got him into the playoffs with an inferior squad to the one we've currently got I think our players will be more suited to his philosophy and style of play and I think he'll be comfortable working within our system so all the boxes are ticked and we've got everything he needs to you know, hopefully go one better than he did last year Well if you missed the mini episode that DC uh, knocked up about Watford you can find it right now on SoundCloud MixCloud iTunes all the clouds all the clouds and on the brand new we are going up website which should hopefully be there by the time you hear this if not it, it is imminent the final tweaks are being made to our new website so go to wearegoingup.co.uk for a nosy but this isn't the time to talk about all of that because we are here today to focus on one club and one club only the club that never stopped giving Leeds United it's a special edition uh, looking at Leeds they've had a hugely busy and potentially very exciting transfer window actually and we will come on to that but it's still a fact that despite the season being less than a month old their manager's already been sacked They've been dumped out of the Capital One Cup by their neighbours, Bradford, who they hadn't lost to for what, 25, 28 years, something like that. They've also picked up four red cards already this season. They've seemingly been trolled by their own fans, or sorry, by their own club on social media <laughs> on transfer deadline day night. Quite a start to the season. So we thought, DC, we would explore Leeds today. What are you looking to kind of get out of this show? Well, I mean, it's quite a nice timing, really. This is kind of done with a semi-purposefully. 
to, mm. to co-align with uh, the two unfortunates who this week, if you haven't seen, are doing a series of posts on on their site, uh, all under the banner of the dilemmas of football ownership. Yeah, and obviously Leeds United, um, very prominent story as far as football ownership are concerned. There Ten was, years as well. Yeah, this year outside the Premier League. Absolutely, and there's a lot of people who, you know, us included, who look at Leeds United from the outside, from a distance, and say. You know, what's going on there? Why is he appointed this guy? Are the fans unhappy? Foreign owner? He's taking the club to ruin all that. But I, th- I think it's more complex than that. And as we'll find out, I think some of the fans are probably pleased, more pleased to have Chilino in than they were the previous regime. You know, so that, and they've had a lot of ownership issues over the years, haven't they? So they're probably used to a fair bit of turbulence, and maybe, maybe in a perverse way, they're quite enjoying you know, what's going on there. <laughs> you know, at least stuff's happening. Yeah. You know, because it looked like it was basically it was a bit of a malaise, wasn't it? Yeah. For a few years under under in the dying uh, days of the of the Ken Bates regime, and and at least stuff is happening now, and it is it's it's you know eventful to say the least. So we want to find out a bit more. Who is Massimo Cellino? Do the Leeds fans like him? Is it going to be a success? How many managers he's going to have before the end of the season? <laughs> And we're going to speak to a club legend later, Dominic Matteo yes. as well, who was part of that Leeds team, certainly for me, growing up sort of late 90s, early noughties when Leeds were in the Champions mm-hmm. League and were right up there at the top of the Premier League. Uh, he was a, obviously a member of that side, so we'll speak to Dominic, get his views on what's going on at Ellen Road. And also we're going to speak to James Horncastle, Italian football expert. Uh, you'll hear him regularly on uh, Football Weekly, the Guardian podcast, also on BT Sport. And he's a Leeds fan as well. And obviously, he knows Italy inside out, so he can tell us a bit more about Cellino himself. So we'll, we'll talk to James a little bit later. And we're going to get the views of some Leeds fans as well. Lest we forget. And ask them if they've got a message the from most Massimo important people, Cellino. Indeed. indeed. So uh, we'll hear from them later. Uh, first, though, let's start with the events of the last week or so. It began um, a week last Saturday uh, when Leeds lost 4-1 at your boys. Watford, nine men, they crumbled. Rumours coming out Dave Hockaday was going to be sacked the next day Cellino had a change of heart decided to blame himself for the club's poor start to the season and Hockaday stayed they then went to Bradford in the League Cup lost 2-1 despite taking the lead again they had a man sent off and Cellino changed his mind again five days later and decided this time to sack Hockaday and his assistant Junior Lewis uh, despite both of them only being there for 70 days it means according to my calculations they're looking for their 11th permanent manager in 14 years Neil Redfern is the caretaker Leeds won 1-0 against Bolton at the weekend and they've been very busy ahead of the international break Um, Matt Smith and Dominic Polian both leaving the club late on transfer deadline day, but they have brought in Suleimane Dukara. Is that how you pronounce his surname? Yeah. I'm getting a shake of head from over there. <laughs> uh, from Catania and also the Paraguayan striker Brian Montenegro. So let's find out more about a crazy week or so by speaking to Leon Wobshall, uh, who writes uh, about Leeds for the Yorkshire Evening Post. Leon, thank you very much for joining us. A busy seven days as ever, and I guess another crazy seven days in the world of covering Leeds United. Yeah, it's uh, it's just been one thing after another this this calendar year, hasn't it? I mean, obviously we um, it sort of started off with the uh, the six nil um, sort of televised defeat to Sheffield Wednesday. It's just been one thing and, and another, hasn't it? And uh, it's uh, certainly been a roller coaster under under Massimo Colino. And you, we, we actually all expected a bit of a busier sort of transfer deadline day yesterday, really. But in the event, there wasn't actually too much that that went on. But um, yeah, certainly. Uh, a phonetic um, sort of week before that, obviously David um, Hockaday, he, he went. Uh, I mean, he sort of thought he would, he would probably be going on Sunday after the Watford defeat. All the indications were that um, you know from the noises from Kalino, he was absolutely furious with with the performance. Um, but then it was a bit of a surprise um, by his sort of uh, standards, really, and what he's sort of done in in the past at Cagliari. He sort of um, uh, sort of gave himself 24 hours to to sort of sit back and take stock and have a bit of a think about it and 
you know, looked into the fact that Leeds, you know, played, you know, the final sort of half hour, sort of a man like with ten men, which was sort of instrumental in the in the defeat, really. And it was a bit of a unexpected reprieve. I mean, we, we were pretty much all writing David's a bit obituary, but um, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I think uh, most of the pragmatists thought that it were it was a case of um, when and. Not it, really. Well, the, the thing is, over the summer when Hockaday was appointed uh, to yeah. the average kind of football fan, um, I think it was a bit of a strange appointment, and yeah. a lot of people didn't think it was the right one. Uh, that's no. obviously been proved correct. So, what faith do you uh, do you think the Leeds fans have in uh, Chilino to make the right appointment now? Yeah, I mean, he did. Interestingly, he did say at the time, you know, he wanted he wanted to go British, but it was a name that I mean, it caught everybody by. You know, totally, by, totally by surprise. No one, uh, no one sort of expected it. He, uh, David just went totally to the top of the betting. I mean, I think from what we can gather, Kalino spoke to about twenty candidates or representatives, and and Hockaday was the one who really, um, really impressed him. I mean, there's a there's a, a few schools of thought. I mean, there's some noises suggesting that he might still be inclined to go for a British coach, but um, you know, I think the smart money might be on the fact that he maybe looks. To, Towards his homeland and gets gets an Italian one uh, one in. I mean, what is it? Thirty six. I think it's like thirty six coaches he had in twenty two years at at Cagliari. So I mean, one thing. I mean, he has got a reputation, obviously, Michelino for dispensing with managers, and he's very hands on and um, he likes to run the ship. But you know, Leeds has still been you know inundated with applications. It's still uh, it, it still carries a bit of weight, even though it's been a a bit of a farce at times this year, so it'll be it'll be interesting at the minute. Killian's back in Miami; he's got a base there. Um, so we're a bit, a little bit in the dark. Obviously, he wanted um, Oscar Garcia was right at the top of his list, and they've obviously lost out to to Watford there. And Steve Clark's another name who's sort of pretty high on his on his wish list as well. And there has been some sort of contact, but um, we're not we're not actually quite sure about that one. You know, I think there'll be a bit of water to go under the bridge yet. Leon, this statistic of 36 head coaches, managers, whatever you call them, mm. in 22 years at Canary is the one that gets repeated again and again. And yeah, yeah, he's already yeah. had two in less than 12 months at, at Leeds United. So, yeah. I mean, no matter who walks through the doors at Ellen Road next, and, and I agree with you, you know, the list of applicants will be long. You know, mm. Chilino won't be, his, his erraticness won't deter anyone from applying, I'm sure, because Leeds is still a massive draw. But yeah. whoever walks through the door, I mean, what confidence can the fans have in, in anyone sticking around? Because this guy clearly has his way of working and if it doesn't go the, the way he likes it very quickly he does not mind making a change you know within weeks yeah I mean it's, it's, it's generally I think it's a suck it and see in that respect isn't it I mean that's just the way he's way he's operated he's, he's, he's very hands on he, you know him and Nicholas Salerno the sporting director you know bring the, they identify the players bring them in and, and you know the head coach just, you know he's just responsible for you know technically preparing the team and getting them ready for the um, for the match day, match day, so it's a totally different one that you know the people who you know perhaps are throwing the, the hat into the ring. It is a real, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's probably a total contrast to what the many of them, the British-based ones, will have expected in, in the sort of working careers as, as sort of managers and, um, and and coaches. But it, you know, like I say, it's a, it's a suck it, suck it and see. It's very, it's very hands-on and. 
you know, and you know, there's certainly a backseat driver on on match match days even. Leon, talk to us a bit about the transfer window then, because I think the headline that most people will sort of see is the the social media stuff from last night with yeah. the, the tweets going out, and then obviously the two departures and a lot of fans being upset. Um, but from what I've been reading online, it's a lot of Leeds fans think this has actually been a very good transfer window. They've got uh, rid of a lot of the uh, sort of dead yeah. weight in the squad. And uh, as you just mentioned there, it's been sort of Chilino doing the business, really. Um, what do you make? What do you make of the business he has done? Because a lot of people think this is quite an exciting young squad they've got now. Well, it's certainly been um, certainly been frenetic. I mean, eight players have come in after the uh, the loss at two 0 to, uh, to Millwall on the uh, the opening day of the championship season. And there's, I mean, there's quite a lot of um, you know exotically um, sounding names. I mean, there's a, a playmaker who they signed on loan from Flamenco called Adrian who. Um, a lot of people are, are sort of raving about. I mean, as you can imagine, in these days now, you know, when you go onto YouTube and there's all the, the social media, and you can, there's, there's clips of players, and you know, everything soon gets disseminated. And um, you know, it's a small world now, football, in terms of players, people knowing a lot of things about people from from all over the over the globe. So, I mean, the sign, obviously, this Brian Montenegro as well. He came in from um, a Paraguayan uh, club, um, Nacional. Dariel um, Del Fabro, he's coming as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some, they're trying to play a different way as well. I mean, it's very, very technical and, you know, trying to trying to pass the ball and, you know, there's, and there's certainly been some money spent as well. So, yeah, in terms of the last few summers and transfer windows prior to this, which have been a bit very, you know, frustrating affairs, there is has been some genuine cause for, for optimism and I, it's got to be all the case of seeing how the players bed in now. Leon, it wouldn't be an unusual situation for the fans at Leeds to be unhappy. We've, we've seen, you know, mm. through, through the, the last few years and their spiral down the Football League, there's been, you know, anger vented at Ken Bates and at various figures who have been in charge of the club at various yeah. times. Um, but at the moment, when the outside world looking in must be thinking that you know, oh God, another chaotic scenario for Leeds United. But hearing you just speak there, and I've heard others speak about it, it does seem to be, I don't know whether how much of a split it is, but it does seem to be a bit of a mix of opinion as to maybe he isn't all bad. Like There are clearly some bits of Chilino's methods that are going to take some getting yeah. used to and might be detrimental to the club's long-term future. But some of it's good. There's something there to work with, maybe. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's fair to say when he when he did come in, he went on a, a bit of a charm offensive. He was, you know, he's famously seen in a... The local um, spoke in the local Peacock Club uh, pub, sorry, be, you know, behind Ellen Road and engaging with supporters and a bit of a common touch, which you know, people um, lead supporters quite liked. You know, didn't after- he um, play on stage with the Pigeon Detectives as well? Yeah, yeah, there was there's plenty of that. I mean, in terms of the you know, as a contrast to with, with um, you know the likes of Ken Bates, who was you know a bit more of a, a distant, more distant from the supporters, really. It's um, it's certainly a, a break in, in that department, and it seems to speak the language of of support of Leeds United supporters. You know, it's sort of forthright, honest, passionate opinions, and that's in terms of what his utterances are. He's he's sort of won a, won a lot of fans, but I mean, equally, there's quite a lot who are just sort of reserving judgment and waiting to see how things pan out. I mean, it is a bit of a I think life's going to be a bit, you know, it's a little bit unconventional, and at times it will be a roller coaster. And it's it's very um, very early days, and a lot of you know a lot of Leeds fans, while they're sort of, you know, they're, they're sort of liking his utterances and um, what he's saying and doing. A lot have been scarred by, you know, it's been a desperate ten years, really, hasn't it, for the club? Mm. And it's been some dissent, you know, in terms of the, the statue where they were ten years ago. So a lot of people are sort of still 
wait, you know, waiting and seeing. This is a We Are Going Up special. So we're very pleased to say then, joining us on the line right now is a man who talks all about Serie A on the BT Sport European Football Show, writes about it in the likes of the Blizzard. You will have heard him regularly on Football Weekly from The Guardian and he's a Leeds fan, so he's perfectly placed to talk to us about this subject. James Horncastle, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Pleasure. I imagine the fact that Chilino's already sacked two managers in the very brief time he's been at Leeds doesn't come as a huge surprise to you. No, absolutely not. In fact, it was it was a, a question of, of when rather than if. Um, yeah, I mean, he is known as this uh, manager allenatore, this coach eater, uh, of which there are many in Italian football. Um, but, you know, he was um, one of the foremost, uh, probably only a close second behind, behind Palermo's Maurizio Zamperini. So, so yes, not, not at all a surprise to, uh, to see Hockaday go after only, what, six games. So, I mean, you mentioned there that obviously part of Italian football culture is this sort of shorter lifespan for managers or head coaches but I mean is Cellino viewed in Italy as an eccentric or as an eccentric person as, as he is as he has been done over here or is he kind of more run of the mill he is viewed as a, a bit of an eccentric um, in that you know, he is superstitious um, you know, if you uh, wear a certain number he will ask you to change it or even put you on the transfer list um, you know, if you wear a certain colour uh, as well, uh, well, that's um, a no-no. And yeah, I remember back, I think in 2008, he appointed uh, a coach called Massimiliano Allegri, who is now coach of. Uh, well, he went on to coach Milan and is now coach of, of Juventus. Um, he started the season with with five straight defeats, and yeah, everyone thought that Cellino would wield the axe, uh, and instead, all he did was get him to change the colour of his suit. Um, change, uh, change where he lived, um, and do some kind of feng shui kind of thing to his living room. And uh, by the end of it, you know, Calgary finished, I think, uh, with their best placing in in almost 15 years, and he beat Jose Mourinho to the Manager of the Year award. So, within the context of Italian football, you know, these characters are are more frequently found than they are in the English game. I, I would say. There is Zamperini at Palermo who, you know, famously threatened to um, chop off his testicles and eat them in a salad. Um, and then, uh, more recently at, at Sampdoria, there is a there's a, a new owner called uh, Massimo Ferrero, who is sort of a uh, he makes films and has starred in some of his own films and uh, even played, you know, sort of Roma ultras. So, uh, you know, he, in that context, he is, you know, normal bloke. He's a normal bloke, yeah. <laughs> um, talk to us a bit about Cagliari then, because obviously to sort of casual um, observers of Italian football might sort of mainly focus on the bigger sides. Um, has this sort of project of sort of interchanging managers on a regular basis sort of been viewed as a success overall at Cagliari? Well, I mean, there's been stability through instability in, in some respects in that, you know, throughout his, what, near two-decade spell as owner of Cagliari, they were, they were only relegated. Um, twice, um, which you know is some feat considering the financial resource uh, at the club. You know they weren't um, ever uh, a superpower uh, in Italy, even though they did win the Scudetto once um, in, in 1970, and that was largely thanks to some some you know, great coaching and and the fact they had, they had um, Gigi Riva, who was you know, probably one of the greatest. Um, Italian strikers of all time, Italian players of all time, who just decided to play his entire career for Cagliari. 
But, you know, as for hiring and firing, there is this belief in Italy that, you know, it actually allows managers to grow. You know, they, they get lots of different experiences um, and, and are better for it. Now, there is this sort of short, sharp shock therapy that, it, you know, it's, you not only perhaps can bring in someone with um, different ideas and a fresh approach, but it also um, sends a bit of a message to the players in that, you know, this is serious, we can't mess around. And it, it, it gives them some responsibility as well. So it's unconventional and it's, it's not particularly cost effective either because, you know, you end up having all these various managers on, on gardening leave and you're paying them um, until they're, you know, they either get another job or their, their contract expires. And it's also, you know, very short termist. You know, you can't sort of plan for a, for a, um, for a future when, you know, you, you give a, a manager to a two-year contract and you fire him within a game or six games of, of, it, of it coming into effect. Do you think, given what you've just said about plan, you know, being very difficult to plan for a long-term future, I mean, do you think that this can work in England? Is his tenure at least ultimately doomed or will he persist with his way in, until he gets it right? Or would you think he'll get bored after, you know, because he will, undoubtedly will, if it happens the same way as it happened at Canary, there'll be more resistance from the fans and from the general footballing, uh, you know, watching public over here. So can it work over here, do you think? Um, I, I think it can in that, you know, Cellino is, you know, actually a, a football man. I mean, he doesn't come from a, a footballing background, but he's been in the game for long enough to have some, you know, extensive, if not particularly great contacts. Um, I think something that perhaps doesn't go, you know, as well reported in this country um, as, as elsewhere is that, you know, Italy has more football agents than any other um, place in the world. They, they do more negotiations than any other country in the world. And, and you know, you, you learn about players, you learn about agents, you learn about availability, etc. Um, that which you know, kind of <laughs> kind of makes some of the uh, farcical goings on this this summer in the Chanso window at Leeds a little bit um, uh, hard to believe. But yeah, there is a sense that he he does have an eye for a culture, an eye for a player. And yeah, I, I, when he hired Hokkaido, for example, I, I could kind of understand why why he did it because he does feel he has this intuition um, about. Uh, about a manager, about about people, uh, and whether they're a good fit or not. And and um, while we have seen, well, we we could see from a mile off that you know Hockaday was probably completely out of his depth, given where he was coming from and, and who he was going into business with. You know, I think he has shown himself, particularly with someone, for example, like Allegri, to um, to be able to uh, find the right man uh, and you know find the next big thing. It's just whether. He has that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was very doubtful that he knew much about Hockaday when it came to appointing him. Where you, you, could, you could guarantee he knew something about Allegri and others because he's been in the game. He has contacts in Italy. I mean, coming into it in England without really a clear idea of, of um, what kind of players are in the divisions you're in and, and uh, what kind of coaches are in the divisions you're in is, is, is something else. So that's why I think you know probably we will see a, a more. Italianisation, as we've already kind of seen. Um, what about the players then? You say he's got an eye for a, for a player. I mean, are any of the guys that he's brought over anything for Leeds fans to get excited about? The one in particular I've heard good things about so far, and I believe he's impressed with his performances so far, is the goalkeeper Marco Silvestri. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing with Chilina. I mean, during the, the window, I mean, there were, there were some names to kind of 
I would say, legitimately to get excited about um, in that they are, you know, players who um, have been up and coming in Italy and for whatever reason haven't ever made it. And, you, you, you know, Silvestri um, is, one of, is one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he comes from, you know, sort of Kievo where, you know, they have a very promising youth team which has just won um, the Primavera Trophy. It's there, it's there, sort of winning their reserve league, if you like, there. So, but as with anything in, in Italian football, it's, it's hard for young players like him to get game time. I mean, he's, he's 23, and you know, besides playing in the lower divisions when he was at you know Cagliari, you know, he, he 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 wasn't able to play. And there is a, uh, I say, uh, an argument to saying that some of these players could could use the experience of going to Leeds and, and actually you know realizing their potential there. I mean, I thought I thought that was the case with um, a player they were linked with from Roma called Federico Viviani. Who um, you know was, was very talented, broke onto the scene at Roma um, a couple of uh, a couple of years ago, and then for whatever reason didn't work out. And likewise, his move didn't work out. There's a player they've brought in from from Milan called um, Zan Benedicic. That's a hard one to say, but um, <laughs> who was part of Inzaghi's youth team? Yeah, they, they are yeah competent players when given the chance. They just you do wonder. Really, how cut out they are for for the the rigor of the champion at uh, the championship because um, yeah, I mean, going the the problem with these players going from their youth team to their first team in Serie A is that it's just such a big uh, big gulf in class, and you know, if not many of these players have played in Serie B either, which is similar to the championship in that it's a long old slog, it's an absolute marathon, and if you can cut it there, you can kind of cut it anywhere. Um, then you know, it's hard to see. Yeah, the likes of Benedicic making that uh, and um, Silvestri making that step up, sort of, you know, relatively quickly. James, uh, you're a Leeds fan. Uh, this is your team. Uh, a decade outside the, the top flight now. When the whole uh, thing with Chilino early this year uh, was sort of uh, announced, or there was rumours that he was going to take over, you know, did, you, did your heart sink, or did you actually think, you know, what this might actually be a good thing for the club? We've been away from the top division for ten years. This is a kind of project which could help us get back there. I'll be honest, uh, I despaired uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, because, you know, I, I thought this might, you know, whenever the club uh, seems to be up for sale, um, you, 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 you hope for this, you know, op- opportunity for, a, for a, better, a better owner than the ones that we've had in, uh, in that time. And, you know, Cellino, when he, was, uh, when, he, when he was coming in, was, you know, disillusioned with, um, with the game in Italy, uh, Particularly because I mean he was being rightfully criticised for um, you know, being in various disputes with the, the council, moving the club out of the, the, the ground that it had for, for for many many years, and, and and not having a home, and you know having to go around Italy, you know, you know having home games in Trieste, which is if you think of Sardinia as being an island on the uh, on the west coast of Italy, you know going to play in the northeast corner near um, near the border with like Slovenia and everything, and yeah, it's just. It was ludicrous, and um, yeah, he, as I said, he, he does not fall into the category of rational owners. Um, yeah, he does have uh, big ideas and big ambition, but you know, more often than not, you know, he sort of gets himself into trouble. And I just thought, you know, at this moment in time, Leeds needed someone, yeah, with strong personality and charisma, but you know, perhaps uh, a little, yeah, someone able to give the club a bit more stability. Just finally on Cellino, 
often foreign man- uh, foreign owners rather get painted as these villainous figures who maybe don't really care much about the club. They're only in it to try and make a quick buck on their investment and and then get out of there. Um, do you think his heart's in the right place? I mean, does he genuinely care about his, what he's doing at Leeds and does he really want to make it a success? I think he does care. I think when he buys into it, um, he does so, you know, kind of wholeheartedly. I mean, he is a, let's use this sort of stereotype, you know, passionate kind of Italian. Um, but at the same time, I do think you are seeing Italian owners um, considering buying clubs in England and you know the cynical view on that is is because if you get them into a premier into the premier league well that's that's the promised land that's where all the the riches are made in football right now i mean you only have to look at you know whole city for example spending 43 million euro in this transfer window which is more than milan inter milan and, and napoli combined which you know just wow. shows you how the tv money in the premier league and you know, I mean, they're they're a caveat to those their own sort of individual circumstances. But how much there there are, how many riches there are in the Premier League compared with um, Serie A right now? And uh, so, yeah, I think, for example, if you look at the the Pozzo family who are in Watford, they also own Udinese and, and Granada in, in in Spain. You know, when Watford um, looks like they were going to go up under um, Gianfranco Zola, you know, they they were going to have to have a serious think about, well, where do our priorities lie here? You know, the family club is Udinese. That's been our number one priority. But if we get up into the Premier League, then, you know, they're going to have probably more more revenue. Do we switch some of our best players from Udinese to Watford? What do we do? And so, yeah, I do think that is perhaps one of the um, the, the influences behind his decision to, to invest in Leeds United. James, thank you very much for coming on and talking to us. Uh, All the best. That is the Italian football expert, uh, James Horncastle. And next, we are going to get a former pro's perspective on all the chaos at Ellen Road. Uh, We're going to speak to Dominic Matteo in just a second. This is a We Are Going Up special. We've got the Football League covered. Right, so it's time to get a view on the situation at Ellen Road from a former Leeds legend, former captain at the club, played over 100 times for Leeds uh, between 2000 and 2004. Uh, we're very pleased to say joining us on We Are Going Up is Dominic Matteo. He's on the line now. Dom, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Hi, boys. How do you assess the current situation then? Sort of a week on from Dave Hockaday leaving the club. What do you make of it all? I mean, it doesn't surprise me that Dave's gone, being totally honest. Um, I didn't think it was the right appointment. It was a strange one. No one really thought that Dave Ockerley would be the next Leeds United manager. It wasn't. Even, no, it was nowhere near the betting. It was just. It was just. It was a bolt from, a bolt from the blue. Really, I think. I think obviously, Stellino just wanted someone in personally that um, that he could kind of tell what to do. To be honest, I think as a manager, you know, I think Stellino's brought all the players in. I think as a manager, you need to have some kind of say on on who's coming in. So I thought Dave was just kind of a stopgap and. I don't think that situation was ever going to work out too well for them. Do you think, well, having been given the job in the first place, though, should maybe yeah. Shalino have, have, have backed himself rather and backed his choice and, and maybe have stuck it out and maybe given him a bit more of a chance or do you think it was always doomed to failure? I mean, I feel sorry for Dave being honest. I don't know the guy personally. He's come into a massive club. You can see he was, you know, he was a great honour for him to be there. He was enjoying every moment. He couldn't, mm. But he couldn't believe it. Every time I see him interviewed, he looked <laughs> like he couldn't believe to be there. Mm. He was like, he, he was in shock every time he was interviewed. And, um, I think, like like any manager, I think everyone needs time to get things right, to get his views across. 
the thing is, I think obviously with the, the, the current owner, um, whether people will get time, I don't think so. I mean, his, his track record shows you that he doesn't he doesn't mess about when it comes to get rid of managers. Uh, he's set quite a lot over the years, and I, I just think that you know with the squad that, that that's been assembled as well, I don't think Dave surely, if he, if he was honest, would, would have had too much to do with the players he brought in. I, I know he said different, but. A lot of the players he brought in, I didn't know too much about them until I actually had to go on Wikipedia and read who they were and what lower league in Italy or you know a couple of lads have played in Brazil or wherever they've played. I had to go and look and who the, who the players are. I think when when I want players that are coming to Leeds United, I want to know. I already want to know who they are and what they already bring to the club. And I just feel that we've brought too many unknowns in. Did you ever think ten years ago, Don, that no. ten years on Leeds United would you know not be back in the Premier League? And will have gone through basically what a manager every year, every two years yeah. since. No, not at all, man. I mean, I, I like you say, I was there when we went down, and I really took that to heart, and I still do. Uh, still think about that day that we went down, you know, obviously at Bolton. Um, but you know, I, I would have thought we'd been back by now. We just haven't seemed to have the right guidance um, ever since that happened. We've, we've never seemed to really quite get things right. You know, when we dropped to the to lower lower tier again to Division One, and you know, then we got back up, and the momentum is going in the right way under Simon Grayson I thought I thought we were going in the right direction and for me I think Simon Grayson would still be a good choice to come back in and manage at Leeds United personally because I think he, he loves the football club I know he's in another job and I shouldn't really say things like that but I just think you know he's, he's a fantastic manager I think he knows the club inside out I think that always helps as well when you when you know a club do you, do you think that British managers will be willing to work I mean obviously you've played under many willing yeah. to work in a system where they don't get to choose who the club signs Personally, I'd, I think you'd, I'd find that difficult, and I think, I think a lot of the top managers would. I think lads who are maybe out of work or new to a job might might take it. Um, but ambitious young managers or, or good managers surely would want to have a say in which players are brought into the club and how things are run a little bit. I think you have to have a really good working relationship with the chairman and the manager. You know, I heard Stuart Pearce talking this morning on on, on, on Talksport, and he was obviously saying it, it took him a little while, but now they've, they've got a really good working relationship with Forrest. And I think if you've got that in the Championship, look at Tony Pulis when I was at Stoke, him and um, you know, and coach, a great relationship. You know, own, owner and um, manager, and you know, look where they've got to. Just from a player's perspective, what do you think it would be like? I mean, how hard must it be for the players to yeah. kind of get used to the fact, or, or you know, accept the fact that they you know, managers could be changing on a, on a regular basis? You'll surely you want some stability and to know that the manager there, you know, if you're playing for him, that he's going to be, yeah. be given a bit of time, so you could be assured of your place in the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly agree with that. I mean, at the end of my Leeds career, I didn't know who was manager. It was Eddie Gray or Kevin Blackwell. I didn't know who to speak to or what was going on at times. And I can I can relate to it a little bit. I think you need to know who's the manager, and you need to know he's staying for for at least for a while, so you, you can get used to the way he does training, the way you know the way he takes games, the way he gets gets you set up for games. I just think that we go into too many games as a, as a football club and we play off the cuff. We don't go in with a plan. I'd like to see the League United teams go in with a plan, how they're going to play, whether it's going to be on the floor, they're going to be a bit more direct. I'd like to say, see us really good, get a manager who can set a team up well in the Championship and get us out of it, whichever way it may be, whether it's playing football, which is difficult, but if it's, if it's being direct and getting results, then do that. I just feel as though we've had too many managers who've just set us out to go and play off the cuff without really a, a way of actually uh, describing how we play. And you mentioned obviously that you, you know you'd, you'd like to see players coming to the club who, who you know know yeah. a bit about the the English leagues and English way of playing. Yeah. But when I'm interested to know that from a, from obviously a, a homegrown player like yourself, when yeah. you're at an English club, and you know 
foreign players come into a football club who can't necessarily speak English. I mean, what, how how difficult is it to play football with them and to get an understanding on the pitch in terms of and you know on and off the pitch in terms of interacting with them on a yeah. personal basis at training, but also playing football. I mean, can you get on with people that you don't speak to like, on the pitch, or is it really difficult? I mean, I, I always found that I, I tried my best. Just, but I remember at Liverpool when Gerard Hulier started bringing a few of the French speaking lads over, and I'd always at dinner time. You know, try and mingle in, sit down with the boys, see what's going on. Whether it was broken English or what, you try and interact. And I think that's that's really important. I think a lot of football clubs in, the, in this day and age, and I've seen it myself towards the end of my career, little groups of players who sit in groups, you know, you get the French lads in one side, the Italian lads in the other, and the English in the other. I think if you get a, a dressing room where you're all on the same page and you're all you're all going in the same direction and you all want to go out, go out for meals together, get on together, get the wives and girlfriends together for meals, do all that kind of stuff. I think you've got much more of a chance. But I feel it's sometimes it's up to the British players, and especially the captain maybe of the club, to get the boys together and make sure that, you know, the foreign lads coming in, you know, they're not just knocking about with the, with the Italian boys. You know, they've got to get in, interacting with the English lads. And, you know, you're all kind of responsible for that. But sometimes it's, it's easier said than done because, you know, you've got your friends in the dressing room who you sit with and you've got the players who you sit next to and stuff. And it's quite easy to, to get sucked in with your, um, with your mates sort of thing. Do you think, uh, Don, obviously Russ yeah. McCormack and Matt Smith have, have left, which yeah. is about 60, I think 65% of Leeds goals from last season yeah. have just gone yeah. down to Craven Cottage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think, sort of given that, and obviously the time it's going to take for these new players to, to bed in that Leeds fans should be prepared to sort of ride the wave of this for, for a sort of a, a bit of time or, or if things don't go right do you expect the fans to sort of turn pretty soon pretty sharpish on, on the island? I, I mean the fans have been amazing over the years you know I, I was involved with the club last season and things weren't great but the fans just stuck by the team big crowds always turned up you know away from home fantastic they always fill out they always sell out and I, 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 I wouldn't say they'd turn but I think you know they are getting fed up and they do deserve better I think selling Ross McCormack and Matt Smith, like you say, not only did Ross McCormack score a lot of goals last year, he also created the vast majority of the goals that Leeds scored as well. Um, I don't think there's a lot of goals in that team. I don't really, you know, I think, you know, as, as a team, defenders, midfielders, strikers all have to chip in. I think last season, basically just them two all season, they were getting the goals. And I think to replace both of them was difficult I thought you know losing Ross for that kind of money you couldn't turn down the money that Fulham offered it was, it was, it was a lot of money for a player in the championship and I think they had to sell him for that money but I think to lose Matt to the same team you know it, it must be hard for the Leeds fans to take that because a similar situation happened in Norwich we seemed to lose all our players to Norwich a couple of years ago and now it seems we used to lose seems to lose all our best players to Fulham and, you know, I, I just think that Fulham are onto a good thing there because them two had a really good um, partnership last season. And it wouldn't surprise me if them two go on and, and score quite a few goals. Tom, you mentioned the fans there. And to me, that's, yeah. you know, that is the most frustrating thing. And it must be for Leeds fans even yeah. more so when you look at Leeds. So this is a, a massive football club with, with a yeah. great, proud history, you know, both in the recent history and also, you know, further back as yeah. well in terms of what they've done. It's a big city with one football club. And, yeah. and that's obviously why Chilino has been attracted to buy it. You see, you can understand why someone would buy it but yeah. and, and, he, and he's put his money where his mouth is and he can obviously to a certain degree do what he likes with the club but if he would yeah. just maybe curb his mentality a bit and accept the fact that maybe yeah. in this country you have to do things slightly differently not completely yeah. differently but maybe just get a blend and a balance maybe if, yeah. if that meant appointing someone like Simon Grayson and and, yeah. and taking on some of the culture in this country with the best of what he has to offer he could be onto a really good thing here but I'm just worried and I, I, I suppose maybe the Leeds fans are too that he is too stubborn for his own good and it might you know might not not work out. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with every word you've said there. I, I hope he does, um, I'm looking for the right word, that he, he does bring a manager in and he will work with him and he will buy into to the, to the culture over here as well. Because at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, we are in England. You know, obviously he's from Italy, he's got his own views. Um, but I, I feel as though managers abroad who buy into the, into the English way of life, the British way of life, uh, always do better. I think the players appreciate it more, and I think the managers. I think managers have to have this relationship with the chairman because, at the end of the day, you know, certain managers like you know, Simon Grayson knows the league's inside out. He knows the players inside out. Other managers in the league, you know, your Neil Warnock's over the years, you know, your Tony Pulis's, they know what type of player they want to get out of this league. And if you can't go and buy them, you know, and you can't go to your chairman and say, listen, I want to buy this player. I think it'd be really good for the squad and the chairman and the manager of the the president. I think I think he's called um, Mr. President. I want to buy this player, and he says no. He's not from Italy. He's not from France. He's not from you know Brazil. He can't buy him. I think that you, you're you've hit the nail on the head. I think you've got that spot on there. I think there has to be a, a bit of a blend, a bit of a mix. And I think that in the championship it's so demanding because there's games Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Saturday, Wednesday. There's so many football games. The physical demand sometimes the foreign lads coming over takes a little while to adapt, and I think. I think Leeds might be okay at home this year in the games at home, but I think away from home, we've seen already they've struggled in all the games. Um, they've been pretty poor away from home so far, and um, I think to get anywhere near that top six in this division, you have to you have to pick up points on the road. Dom, thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to us. Cheers, we guys, appreciate pleasure. it. Thanks a lot. That's Dominic Matteo, former Leeds captain, joining us on We Are Going Up, and we mentioned the fans uh, quite a lot there. So let's hear from a few of them, shall we? Uh, we asked a few Leeds fans to give us their message to the president, Mr. Cellino, and this is what they had to say. All right, Massimo, Chris Martin here, lifelong Leeds fan. I've just moved back to the city. Have you now realised that the Championship is not a secondary league full of amateurs? It is an incredibly tough league, one of the hardest in Europe. Uh, thank you very much for signing a new squad. And now the next step is a decent manager to mould them, to make them a team. I think recruiting Dave Hockaday as Leeds United manager was a bit like buying a Porsche and saving money by letting the guy next door serve service it a bit daft and Ross McCormack for 11 million well played should have spent a bit of that on Xavi Alonso though hi Massimo uh, it's Pete Allison here I'm a regular in the cop at Ellen Road I appreciate you've come in and saved the club but please uh, invest money in the coaching staff as well as in transfers you have counteracted what's been a very productive transfer window uh, with your decision to hire David Hockaday spend some cash on employing a coach with the right CV and you'll give us a real chance to succeed in this year with somebody like, uh, I don't know, an Oscar Garcia in charge, perhaps. Uh, Leeds fans would have a real reason for optimism, but you've got to get this appointment right. Otherwise, it's going to be a bloody long season. Mr President, what I implore you to do within the next year of owning Leeds United is to just stick to your guns and don't make any rash decisions. You've already made one rat well two rash decisions and then changed your mind within 24 hours so i would say just see how it goes and not react to any old defeat please just try and keep the identity of the club we've got a long history of very successful british managers and successful british players and while we want success on the field we don't want the identity to be ruined and to be left to one side just for a little bit of success who's that doesn't sound like he's from leeds that is a friend of yours, I believe. A young man called David from Cardiff who is a Leeds fan. 
works yes. with me. Uh, with that. Apparently his family, big Leeds fans when he was a kid, I mean, there you go. I suppose he, he got indoctrinated at an early age. It's in the blood. If it's in the blood, it's in the blood. Mm. Um, so where, where are we at then at, at the end of all this? We've obviously spoken to uh, Leon, we've spoken to James and we've spoken uh, there to uh, to Dom and we've heard from some Leeds fans, their message to, to Chilino. It's perhaps not all the kind of all the negativity that seems to be from no. the outside with obviously the social media last night and everyone taking great delight in Leeds saying keep tuned for, for more signings and then announcing two people that had left and saying that's all our transfer <laughs> business <laughs> fantastic behaviour from them um, so perhaps it's not quite as negative as it seems from the outside maybe, maybe he just appointed the wrong manager no I mean like I alluded to earlier on at the start I think I get the impression that they've been a bit bored the last few years with Warnock and McDermott didn't nothing really it's pretty turgid. Yeah, it didn't really happen. Players perhaps on their way down rather than on the way up. Maybe at least some. Although some of these players we may not have heard of them before, and, and they're not all come from. It's not like they were coming from top Serie A clubs. You know, there's a lot of people who've been knocking around in the Italian equivalent of the Championship and stuff. And at least they're oh, you know, something a bit exciting. You know, something a bit mysterious about them, a bit exotic. Some of them look good. I mean, Silvestri, as we spoke about earlier on, looks like an excellent goalkeeper, and. It, I, I just get the sense that it's on the verge of potentially being exciting. This is a guy that's taken them over, who's clearly very passionate, who clearly cares a lot about it, who's very, you know, wants to be very proud of his own investment and wants wants to. Do, I think he wants to do a good job for Leeds United. His heart's in the right place. It's just his decision making is just seemingly so erratic that you you, you can't be sure what's going to happen next. You know, it's it's good that he's come in and put his own money in and he's spending money on the team and he's you know he's conscious that the club needs to be run better. I mean, you've heard him complaining about how much the club was spending on all sorts of things, not just wages, but the whole entire club, mm. which isn't the first time we've heard stories of that. They cut back the, um, the training ground or something, the, the canteen in the training yeah, ground. Yeah, well, Mark Clement say this he, on I th- I heard him, Live So he made the players bring in packed lunches <laughs> in the first week of pre-season, I, I think. I love it. You know, to make an example, to make a point. And, you know, he's a bit eccentric and he's got his own ways. I just think if only he had somebody sort of with him just to sort of say hold on here yeah. yeah just to rein him in at times but then that's you know that's not the way he's operated he's he's made his money through being his own man I suppose so why would he change now well he set Leeds uh, a challenge of being promoted to the Premier League by the end of next season looking at that squad as it is now in front of you do you think it's a squad capable of getting promoted this season? And can I just say, by the way, how the hell has Nicky Ajosi got in the, the Leeds squad? <laughs> I thought you'd mention yeah. that. Um, no, I don't think it's a squad capable of getting promoted this season, to be honest. No, no matter who comes in next uh, as coach to run the team. Which isn't to say there aren't some good players. Sam Byram's a player who's been coveted by by clubs further up the chain and looks a very promising young player. Um, Billy Sharp will always get your goals in the championship. Yeah, Sharp I think is a decent enough striker for the championship uh, they just bought Liam Cooper from Chesterfield who was in the team of the year paid a lot of money for him as, as well as, as, they, as they went up last season yeah nearly a million pounds for him so uh, you know that that isn't too that's you know there are, there are some promising players there you know Matt Smith and you know is another one I would have maybe put in that category but he's gone now to, to Fulham um, Scott Wooten former Manchester United centre back he's been knocking about different clubs on loan for the last few years but again I think he given a settled club is a, is a player that could could be okay Leeds fans might be able to tell me more about that but they spent a bit of money on him as well but then you've got the foreign contingent who obviously I don't know that much about we, we heard a little bit about some of them earlier on from James but Speaking from what happened to you know to a few seasons ago at Watford, like some of these players who you look at their record and think, oh, they've not done much, but all of a sudden, it's a lot of it's down. I think it's down to 
can often be down to how well they take to the English culture, not just on the pitch, I mean, I mean yeah. off the pitch. I mean, the, the great thing about those Watford players was they all really threw themselves into being a part of the community. You saw them out all the time in Watford, and that was in Watford. These guys are in Leeds. Yeah. You know, it's a wonderful city they're exactly. living in. So O2 Academy in if Leeds they can, If they can get their act together off the pitch and enjoy life in England, I think that really does have a, 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 an effect on the pitch as well, and it helps integrate them into the squad. And you know, that's, Start watching that's, Emmerdale, well, that's learn, a, learn the local lingo. That's a big, that's a big part of it, you know, as well as their abilities on the pitch so there's an interesting mix of players there which is why which is why it's imperative that they have a coach who's capable of uniting the squad that was the brilliant thing that Zola did for for Watford was he he took his knowledge of English football and his you know his knowledge of Italian football and the continental style married them together perfectly and and united made a harmonious group when otherwise there may not have been one you know David Hockaday not his fault that he got the job brilliant if you get off the chance of being Leeds United manager after you've been at Forest Green and you've been terrible <laughs> take it and he did but it hasn't worked for him it didn't work for him who knows whether it would have worked if he had more time but you didn't have confidence in hearing what he said like we heard Dom say every time he was interviewed he sounded like he was you know a kid in the sweet shop couldn't believe his luck and I think that does come across to the players probably they probably didn't have much respect for him because they're saying hang on a minute mate you just got sat from Forest Green Rovers in non-league you know we're trying to get in the Premier League here what have you done I mean that's an assumption but that's the impression that you could reasonably take and you know I think it's very important that they get a man in through the door next who's capable of uniting this squad and and improving some of those players and taking them forward so it's it's a big call for Cellino I think but going on his history like he, you know will, he, and, and that's the admirable thing about him as we said he chose English he went British he, he obviously thought well, I need to try and get someone that understands the league but this absolutely inexplicable unfathomable decision to get Hockaday yeah why I like the use of the word unfathomable I can't even say it <laughs> um, well there's no games this weekend obviously because of the internationals uh, Leeds next fixture you'll be surprised to know DC is live on Sky at 12.15 oh really on <laughs> Saturday morning a week, a week on Saturday Birmingham against Some Leeds some things never change eh? so we'll see if they've got a new manager in place by then and we're going to broaden this out next week because we're going to talk a bit more about ownership in football or in the football league yeah. aren't we on our next show yeah, yeah, yeah. you're off to best of all this weekend I am so you'll be in no fit state to be uh, recording a special then but hopefully the back end of next week we will return we'll see how it goes okay it's not, we're going to be doing it soon if you've got your voice back <laughs> so soon hey, we are going up special on football ownership uh, Leeds fans hope you enjoyed that please do let us know what you think do let us know as well because yeah. one thing is I don't what? want to paint a picture that's not absolutely real. we've spoke to a few fans there but obviously the, the, the main people that know everything about the club are the guys you guys that you know the season ticket holders and the paying fans that turn up each week at Ellen Road and, and away from home like we do our best to try and give insight into these clubs and speak to people that do know a bit about it more than we do but tell us yeah. have we got it wrong well I was very wary of a couple of messages saying don't paint it you know there's all chaos there, there is some hmm. sort of method behind his madness so please do let us know the Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast uh, all the uh, the social media stuff is on the Facebook uh, on the, uh, the new website including the Facebook page and the Instagram and so on don't put any pictures from Bestival on Instagram should I say by the way don't think they'll be fit for the uh, the we are going up <laughs> Instagram um, we're going to be back then soonish better remember to have it logged on to the correct account <laughs> yeah that's the thing exactly yeah. uh, we'll be back soonish then with this special on football ownership uh, the website new website wearegoingup.co.uk you can tweet us at Wagyu Podcast I think that's just about it what are you doing this weekend um, I'm going to Wickham away on Saturday oh brilliant Yeah. well so, there we go there you go so I can talk maybe a little bit about that on the show next week see I went there last season and we won that'll get the listeners in my <laughs> <laughs> thoughts exactly in fact it's not even worth going any further down that road we will speak to you next time this is the We Are Going Up Podcast we've got the Football League covered <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.